We are back. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is Thursday, May 18th. My name's Doug. My partner is Brandon, and we always like to remind our listeners, top of every show, we do not take sponsorships or get paid to promote anyone. That's intentional. We try to stay conflict-free from anything other than our own biases. So quick rundown, I guess. We're going to cover what today? Hobby news, playoffs and hockey and basketball. Uh, best athletes to wear number 79 bunch of different short today it's gonna be we're gonna try to keep it short today have a no i meant the jersey numbers oh the jersey numbers short yeah that's short too we're gonna try to keep it short 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 show if i can talk today hope everyone had a great mother's day last weekend let's see where do we want to start on storylines tennis uh rafa rafael nadal is gonna miss the french open that was disappointing to hear the first time in 19 years and he's a 14-time champion there get this he has amassed a record of 112 and 3 mm. in that oh, grand goodness. slam tournament um, he expects 2024 to be the last year for him to play professional tennis so Tonya, with federer retiring last year he's still got Djokovic, but serena i mean the golden era for uh, tennis here is going to be coming to an end. So who's who are they going to pass the torch to? There's a few. There's a few young up-and-coming players. Um, Nick Kyrgios. He's a colorful player in tennis. And uh, he's also going to miss the French Open due to an injury that, get this, apparently suffered during a robbery and theft of his car. Hmm. That's Got his foot slashed or something like that. So that's kind of scary. But he'll be back. Apparently, it wasn't a serious injury, but nonetheless. And by the way, Rafa, there's a bunch of tennis cards out there for Rafa and and Federer and uh, Djokovic and Serena Williams. They're all um, from, what is it, NetPro, I think is the name of the company that produces those. So you can give those a look if that's something you're interested in. I've got a few of those myself because I'm a fan. And I suppose we have to touch on the John Moran news can't go too yep. far into the show without getting into that there was another incident with him wielding a gun on an instagram live feed and boy i'll tell you i think he's gonna get a significant suspension out of this one i've heard some people from the say re- yeah, the reaction from adam silver seems to suggest that that will be the case yeah well and it should be I, i've heard some people say they think he'll get eight to ten games i think it's going to be a whole lot more than that didn't he get eight the first time I think he got eight he got like games. Eight games yeah, the first time. I so mean, you know it's got to be something significantly more than that. I'm personally, I'm guessing. I kind of hope to be quite honest with you. This it's at least half the season. It it definitely probably will be. Yeah, the way the reaction was, it looks like he's probably facing much more. And I guess so. They had a good conversation yesterday uh, on the pregame for the Heat Celtics game about this the inside crew did and something that came out of it was interesting that i think a lot of people don't know is that in the contracts of nba players they have what's called a morality clause which is basically like then this would fall under it there's just yeah. like there's like certain things that you you can't do yep and this falls under it so like it's like directly breaking a clause in his contract now twice yeah if that tells you something and and again that also also to the people that are like oh he's he should fight it. He's not doing anything wrong. He's not breaking any laws. This is different because <laughs> he's on a contract. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot more at play here. But this, like the at, at the bottom line, the morality clause is being broken. Yeah. And that's something, you know, that has 
to consider. Well, and in, especially in, in a couple different areas of this conversation, right? And especially too, since it was so short. Out, I mean, it was what just maybe six like or eight weeks like, ago. Yeah, that the first one happened, and you know, he came out and said that he was sorry and everything, and but then to come and and do this. So I don't know. I just I think the NBA needs to send a message here. I think that there's a pattern developing with Jaw. It's very concerning. It's not good, obviously. He's clearly, I think, headed down the wrong path and needs to right the ship and get his act together. And so I don't know. I, you know, I did see several people on social media, Instagram and elsewhere, Facebook and, and different places that were trying to sell their cards um, sort of instantly after this. And I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see some people that don't necessarily want to collect a player that's got you know, that kind of reputation and involved with that kind of stuff. And well, so, and I mean, it just makes you wonder, like, I mean, if, if he hasn't done anything yet besides just, like, be an idiot, um, like... But... If, but 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 it could, but, like, right. you think, like, you know, what's next? What could happen? Exactly. Um, this could just keep you know, escalating. The next step is somebody gets hurt or, yep. you know, whatever else. But it's just, like, you know, if something else happens... You, his career could be over potentially. Yeah, so exactly, which would be really unfortunate for him and everybody involved. But in the last month, his card ladder index is down nearly 35%. Now, some of that may have been, you know, because of the early playoff exit, but I'm sure some of it's likely due to this news as well. His, uh, and some of it probably due just to the market in general. But again, I think this news is contributing to that. I looked at his 2019 Donruss Optic Hollow and a PSA 10. That's down nearly 20% in the past couple of weeks, about 172 bucks. Prism Silver is down about 8%. But a lot of what I was seeing on social media in, in different places uh, within, you know, the, the, the card collecting space, uh, those areas, you know, any transactions that happen with those often are not reflected in Card Ladder because they don't get reported generally to, to Card Ladder. So we'll see what happens there. The, you know, it made me think this 2019 draft class not quite turning out like everyone <laughs> maybe had hoped, you know, with Zion and Job being the top two. And look, I mean, Zion still could. Uh, but, you know, he's missed a lot of time in his first, what, three or four years now uh, in the league. And, and obviously with, with what's happening with Jaw, uh, they are definitely not living up to the hype and and some of the uh, sky-high card values. Well, they're they living up well. to the hype, but they just have other issues. Yeah, well, that's probably, yeah, that's issues fair. Issues yeah, keeping yeah, yeah, them off yeah. of the court. Yeah. Um, or potentially keeping them off of the court. Yeah, that's that's a fair. Um, and not, but, that, not that they haven't been electric players yeah probably some of like probably some of the best in the nba when they're actually playing that's true no that's true but this is a good reminder of what can happen and it's a good reminder of the risks involved you know with with paying too much for unproven players you know it takes time to build a career you can't just go off of one or two seasons or or on promise that they're going to be good there's just too many variables involved but when i look at this 2019 draft class i'm starting to think someone like rj barrett who was the number three pick or darius garland at the number five pick or what about Rui, how do you say his name? Rui Hachimura? Yeah. With Now with the Lakers, playing well with the Lakers. Uh, he was the number nine pick. And then uh, your your boy on the Miami Heat, Tyler Hero, with the number 13 pick. Or Jordan Poole at number 28. I mean, those a lot of those guys, or, or how about even Kevin Porter Jr.? You mm-hmm. you know, you were high on Kevin Porter Jr. early on. He I, was, I, I the, still am. He's just in Houston, so you don't hear about him. He's well, and he had, he a, had good a good player. That's right, and because uh, he did have a good season. You don't hear a lot about him. He's still developing because they're, they're all young. And look, I mean, you say the 2019 grass draft class isn't turning out like it expected. Well, I mean, if you look up and down the class, I think it's actually a pretty solid class. I mean, if you just yeah. look at those top two guys, I mean, sure, they've they had their issues with whatever, but 
I mean, looking at this kind of up in those top 30 picks, these are all like solid players yep. getting like big minutes. And like RJ Barrett's got a bright future. Garland's an all-star already. Hachimura is going to probably, I mean, we'll see where he goes, but he's a really solid role player right now. Yeah. Heroes led the league in free throw percentage this season in his first season starting. And I think he's got a ways to, to grow as yeah. well. I oh, feel yeah. like he had some injury issues this year that held him back a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty interested to see where he ends up in a few years, but it'll be kind of interested to see what his ceiling is. Jordan Poole, too. Yep. Ken Porter Jr., nobody's really sees. Um, well, that's so, I mean, but, but that's he had like a good up and year. down. That's a good. But that's top oh, yeah. And Kevin Porter Jr. was the number 30 pick. So you're right. I mean, when I said that, I, then I proceeded to list out like five or six guys that are pretty good. But but they aren't the, you know, when you look at where those guys got picked, right? The number three, the five, the nine, the 13, the 28, and the 30. I mean, obviously, all the attention went to Zion and Jaw at one and two, but a lot of other guys, you know, later in the draft, um, making an impact. And to your point on Kevin Porter Jr., he had a really good season. Nobody really heard about it because he's in Houston, but, mm-hmm. you know. Nobody hears about the Houston's got a bunch of young, good players right. that nobody knows about because nobody sees Houston play. Right. Um, Kevin Porter, Shen Goon. I mean, Jalen Green's been pretty good, too. So Yeah, and well, and, and Houston's going to have another top pick here to help build mm-hmm. that roster so and a, and a new coach next season Imo Doka is going to be there so yeah so that could be they could be interesting uh speaking of that let's get to that because last week we had the Connor Bedard lottery aka the NHL draft lottery this week we had the Victor Wembanyama lottery which is aka the NBA draft lottery there were a couple surprises um picks six through 14 pretty much fell in line with the odds of what the teams were expected, but the top five picks did have some surprises because um, San Antonio. So the so the top where was it? Top three teams with the best odds were San Antonio or yeah San Antonio, Houston, and Detroit. San Antonio did get the first pick, followed by Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Detroit. So Houston and Detroit got four and five. So kind of disappointing for them because they were among you know with San Antonio as the best odds to get number you know picks number one two and three they fell out to four and five charlotte and portland jumped up to get two and three so positive for them not great for houston and detroit but still four and five you're going to get to good players this is a good seems like a pretty good class yeah like you have wemby and then you also have scoot henderson from the g league i think is a really solid pickup too yeah already been Um, talked about that he'll uh, probably go plus the college players too i mean you have the alabama kid and some others but yeah so there's um, a good spot for for uh, Wembenyama really though in San Antonio. And think oh, about that's, this. That's the best place. I mean, we said this before. I think that's like the best place he could have gone to be in that system with Coach Pop and to be like in that rebuilding mode. So he's got time to and grow. probably means Coach Pop's coming back, right? I would imagine. So and that's like that's such a good situation for him to be in. Yeah, like, great coaching, great system, and he's got. I think he's got all the opportunity in the world in, in, in San Antonio. So. Absolutely. Well, and there's a French connection there. Tony Parker, former San Antonio star, owns a team in the French League, that Victor, which was the league that Victor played in last year. And it seemed like that was where Victor even wanted to go because he, he was seemed positive, said that I mm-hmm. think before the draft he had a dream that he was going to go to the Spurs. That's where he wanted to go. Well, and, I would, I would, if I was him, I would want to go to the Spurs too. Yeah. Out of these five, yeah, I would, I would definitely want to go to the Spurs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> out, of, and, out of the and, other options for sure. Exactly. And here's the thing to think about. The third time the Spurs have had the first pick, 
get and they, uh, here's oh, here's oh, their history. David Robinson. The first time they got David Tim Robinson. Duncan. Second time they got Tim Duncan. Yeah. Now they're gonna get Wembenyana. So, <laughs> so yeah, if we'll history's see. any guide, then that's good funny. Things, and they're all maybe. like seven footers. Exactly. That's interesting. Exactly. So but. now may not be great for people in the card collecting world. I think that's that'll be interesting to see what happens there because I don't know why this is, but for some reason you know like those those guys that we just mentioned david robinson tim duncan the san antonio stars have kind of been thought to have been undervalued uh, well, for quite some i think time. this is going to be a completely different story to be honest because Wembenyama is a lot more of a flashy player than those two yeah first of all point. david robinson is an older player right he didn't like he didn't like again he played yeah in, in like you know before the 2000s Older players, so those, those guys already don't really get a ton of love, I think, depending on who they are. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that depends, depending on who they are. Jordan but, you know, David guys, Robinson so. is not really a flashy player either. That's really right. solid player. He had put up a lot of big numbers, um, yeah. but he's not like a big flashy player. Tim Duncan's literally nicknamed the big fundamental. So if that tells you about whether he's flashy or not, and he was so stoic, he didn't like. So, like, again, yep. not a super flashy player. Womanyama, I think, is going to be a little bit different because this is probably the most like the most like looked at player coming up into the NBA that we've seen since LeBron. Yeah. So we'll see where he, what he can do, but I feel like this will be a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and I put some comparisons together that I thought were kind of interesting that I'd share with you. And I just picked, I picked Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. I could have picked any, you know, I could have picked Durant or Steph Curry, a bunch of different players. Comparisons would have been very similar, but these, I was able to get apples to apples comparison on cards with these three. So that's one of the reasons I did it. So I looked, I took their, their rookie tops, Chrome refractors. So Tim Duncan's in 97, Kobe in 96, LeBron of course in 2003. And I took their PSA tens and here's what they sold for. And, and I'll give you the pop counts as well. So Tim Duncan, the pop count on that one for him is 107. It last sold for $6,300. Think, okay, keep that in the back of your mind, $6,300. Next you had LeBron James, Pop count on that card for him was 174 compared to 107 for Tim Duncan. It last sold for $32,600. And then you have Kobe Bryant. His Topps Chrome Refractor Rookie PSA 10. Pop count of 63. Last sold for $102,000. So you have $102,000 for Kobe. $32,600 for LeBron. Six thousand three hundred for Tim Duncan. Well, you also have to. I mean, you're comparing him to like goat candidates. So not to say Duncan isn't, but like I don't think he's. There are he's people that generally would argue not Duncan in the same. I think he might be, but I, generally you don't find him in the same conversation as these guys. Well, for, for most people, I, I, I get that. I get that. But and let's people, look at this for but a second. But a lot of that is probably be... because of the way he played. In right. My exactly. And no, that I did, agree. And like you I know, agree. It's but, but that, there's nothing wrong with the way he played. It was really really good. Um, but no, not everybody. Not every the casual fan probably does get super excited about Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember so, I had him on my fantasy teams back then, and he was oh, outstanding. Oh, he would probably fill it up. Yeah, he did. Now, but get this, to your point. So there are going to be Tim Duncan fans out there that will take issue with the GOAT argument because let's look, I put some notes down. So championships, uh, let's look at those three championships. LeBron has four, Kobe has five, Duncan has five. So Duncan has, you know, just more than LeBron in championships, right? Same as Kobe. MVPs. League MVPs. Kobe has one. Duncan has two. So he has more than Kobe. LeBron has four. Right? So, I mean, you know, not 
I mean, look, you could, you know, and you could, but to your point, he just, I, and, and I agree, he was seven, not as flashy. And, and we talk about this as, before, the, different, the seven footers a, get exactly. left out of that conversation big, typically. Yep, yep. Like Kareem tends to get yep. left out, but. That's right. Um, That's exactly. And, but I think the main thing is he's not like the kind of flashy player that can, you know, he's not going to wow you with, yeah. you know, big moves or anything, but he's going to kill you with the fundamentals and he's just going to kill you every, all, every game, yeah. all game long. And he's going to have that same face. No matter exactly. what, he's, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's just stoic. You're not going to know if he has 50 or two, right? So, or if they're lost by 50 or yeah. one by 50. You know, the um, so I did one more comparison just for fun. Uh, it was the 1997 PMG Press Metal Jams. I did the green. Now LeBron didn't have one um, in this year because he didn't come into the league till later. But Kobe and Duncan both had one, and the green PMG numbered to 10. Uh, the B, I, the last sale I could find for Tim Duncan of that card was a BGS eight. And it sold for $218,400. There's actually one of those cards on the collectible fractional platform right now that, that is trading with a value of $191,100. Of course, collectibles going to probably be wrapping that up. And uh, who knows where that'll go. But so there you go, right? So let's call it around $200,000 for that card for Tim Duncan. Kobe, that same card, one only one I could find the last sale on um, that was recent was a BGS 8.5. So half a point higher grade, but not that big of a difference especially for a card that's serial number to 10. His last sold for $2 million. And he did have a BGS 7.5, so half grade lower, that last sold for $1.75 million, compared to Tim Duncan's about $200,000. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, again, I think I think Wembenyama is a different situation here in terms of that. Oh, I think, uh, yeah, there's no question um, Wembenyama is going to garner a ton of hype. His cards are going to be worth a ton. You know, he's got it. We talked last time he's got an autograph card along with Caitlin Clark coming out in the bowman u products there's the uh the inception bowman u which is out this week i think tomorrow on friday and then in another week or two they're going to come out with the bowman u chrome basketball and victor will be in that one as well with an autograph uh so i think caitlin might actually be in that one with an autograph as well so yeah you know i mean those cards are going to be very highly sought after here was another interesting thing though about the lottery the nba lottery the dallas got did get the number 10 pick I was thinking about that when they announced that Dallas with the number 10 pick. I was like, whew, that's a good thing they got that one. Because remember, they tanked at the end of the year in order to try to preserve that pick. Could you imagine if they fell out of the top 10 and tanked for no reason at all? Because <laughs> if they fell out of the top 10, that pick would have had to go to New York. Hmm. New York would have got it. Dallas wouldn't have kept it. So that probably would have created a stir. But they did get the number 10 pick, so they get to keep it. Yep. So there you go. Orlando, I like Portland being pretty high up there, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I have a feeling they they might. I think I I think they might trade the pick to get a player. They could. We'll see. Or you could see them get someone like, I don't know, Scoot. Yeah, I I could see that if if he fell to to them. But how would he fall with? I mean, now I've saw an article just before starting recording. I could see the Alabama kid going going before him. Um, But I think Scoot is like a. I, I say Scoot because he's played in G League, so I feel like. It's hard to say, but I feel like he would probably tra- he would probably translate to the NBA a little bit better than yeah. like the Alabama kid would. Yeah. I think, I'll, even if the Alabama kid's a little bit older, just because the G League Ignite is like it's designed to like simulate what kind of well, the NBA. The talk right now is, is that like, he will right? Scoot so, will go number two to Charlotte um, or number three to Portland, and mm-hmm. one of those two will pick him. So but we'll, I, we'll see. But, but or they could trade it. Trading it would ball. be a good move too. Right. Um, well, and Charlotte has Lamelo. Um, but but that's you know but in Portland I guess the thing I think about in Portland is they got you know not just Damian Lillard but but Simons as well right mm-hmm. Anthony Simons I mean what do you 
who had an outstanding and, season. And we're not even, um, I would say, uh, uh, Jeremy Grant before that, he had a he, had, he was the second best player on that team this season, for yeah. sure. He was, had a great season. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, if Scoot fell, I mean, I guess you pick him. But I also, I, I could see Portland trading that pick. Yeah, I, I would, I would, if I was them, I would strongly consider that, for sure. Because I, with Damian Lillard, you kind of are in a win-now mode. You're, yeah. You, it, to the best of your ability, they're trying to be. Agreed. Um, so that's Agreed. definitely a, cons- a, a strong consideration for sure. Orlando was a big winner. They got two of the top 11 picks. Pick number 11 came from Chicago. I think they got number, not. it wasn't four, was it six? I think they got number six. I could be wrong about that. That might have been Washington. I, I can't remember. I think it might have been six. Anyway, and then they got number 11. 11 comes from Chicago. Boy, it's really looking like Orlando made out like a bandit in that trade they did with the Bulls. They gave up, uh, or, or excuse me, the Bulls gave up Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner, and now also the 11th overall pick in this draft to get Nikola Vuce, What? How do you say his last name? Vucevic? Vucevic? Yeah. 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 Well, look, they couldn't have anticipated Lonzo Ball having these issues like, True. like the Bulls, like before Lonzo Ball, you have to remember that the Bulls in that season where they got Vucevic were actually like number one for a while. Yeah. They were pretty good. And then they had those injuries. Vucevic is an all-star. He's a good player. And I think they were trying to get a team together that could compete and contend at that point. Yep. So I don't think it was a bad move on their part, but it's just unfortunate how it turned out for them just because the ex- they didn't really quite meet the expectations. Yeah. <laughs> and again, these are good players that they could have gotten. Well, and Orlando's got another one that those teams kind of like Houston that's got an opportunity to really make themselves better in this draft. They're, they're young. Um, obviously, Franz Wagner is a good player, and, uh, they've, you know, and they're going to get two picks in this draft. So, you know. We'll see. Uh, what else? WNBA season. We talked about that last time, but they that kicks off this weekend. But you know, it, it, there's not a lot of games on primetime television, so you have to. There's have, a lot of the games you have to subscribe to the WNBA League Pass, which I think is. There's a lot more national TV games this season though than there have been. Yeah, there are. There are. I, I wish there. So were they're more making. Than, they're we're, they're making moves. They are, it. which is good. The uh, Vegas Aces. This was interesting. They did get stripped of a 2025 first round pick, and their coach Becky Hammond got suspended uh, for the first two games to start this season. After an investigation by the league determined that the Aces violated league rules regarding impermissible player benefits, quote-unquote. And remember, we reported on this when this had happened uh, back in the offseason because they were, you know, there was allegations when they were signing all these players to create the, the dream team that they have today, that they were kind of, quote-unquote, recruiting these players and offering under-the-table payments and stuff like that. Well, turns out that, that there was evidence that that was true, and so now they lose a first-round pick in 2025, and their coach gets a two-game suspension. So mm-hmm. there you go. But... I'm not sure that's going to really impact them much this year. No. So, uh, all right. Let's do jersey numbers. Okay. Show number 79 today. All right. Um, So we had Roosevelt or Rosie Brown. He was a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. He played 13 seasons from 53 to 65 with the New York Giants. He was picked in the 27th round. He was a nine-time Pro Bowl, Pro Bowler, I guess. Uh, Yep. Lineman of the Game Honors in the 56 NFL Championship game. In 1975, he became just the second player to be elected to the Hall of Fame on the merits of his offensive line play alone. Um, his rookie card is in the 1956 top set, which is an iconic set. Yep. Just one PSA 10 and nine PSA 9s exist in that pop report. 
107 eighths and an eight sells for about three hundred dollars give or take yep and then we've got bob st Clair, hall of fame offensive lineman played 11 seasons from 53 1953 to 1963 all with his hometown san francisco 49ers he made five pro bowls injuries did cut his career short but he was nicknamed the geek by his teammates because of some unusual lifestyle habits they said and one of those as an example they gave was he ate all of his meat raw <laughs> so I wonder if that had anything to do with those injuries. This was injured. I don't know, but uh, his rookie cards in the 1955 huh. Bowman set, which is another iconic set. That's really it. Who um, eats all their meat raw? raw? That seems like kind of dangerous. I guess right? I understand like, like seafood. That's sick. a thing, but like yeah. red meat. I know. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I've heard of people doing it good? before, but but. I, I wouldn't like it. That's, you know. Sounds not very good. But I've heard, you know, I've, I've been to dinner before with people who ordered steak, and they're like, you know, the raw, raw the, you know, the, the, it's it's kind of gross. So the bloodier, the better. That's what they say. Well, that's different because it's still cooked. Yeah, but. Straight up raw. If I went to dinner with someone and they ordered the steak raw, I would leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we maybe give an honorable mention to a couple of guys, maybe Bob Golick for the Cleveland Browns fans out there, or Ray Childress for the Houston Oilers. None, none really in the NBA or WNBA. None really even in the NHL. Maybe an honorable mention to Andre Markov. Uh, he played 16 seasons with the Montreal Canadiens. And same thing in baseball, not really. Maybe an honorable mention to Jose Abreu. I mean, he's still playing. He used to play for the White Sox. He's with the Astros this year, but... Uh, Andre's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Jose Abreu, like I said, hasn't had a long enough career yet to put him amongst the greats. So really, there you go. We got pretty much just two guys, Roosevelt, Rosie Brown, or Bob St. Clair. Who's your pick? Rosie Brown. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go Rosie Brown. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the halftime report. Okay, well, we will start off real quick just with an update because there's still been a lot of talk in the hobby or the card collecting space, as it were, on the whole card trimming and alter situation. Jeremy Lee, who's got a podcast that we like, encourage our listeners to listen to. He had a gentleman by the name of Jason Kuntz on his podcast this past week. Jason's name has been mentioned often within the card trimming altering circles. Sounds like, though, if I listen to Jeremy's podcast, he denies it. Um, he has had and does have a relationship with Evan Mathis. They've been connected to each other. I mean, who knows? Who knows whether he's part of all this or not and who all else is. But, you know, hearing some of the nuance that people are trying to argue around, you know, why this is okay or whatever, I don't know. It's just it's kind of driving me crazy, to be honest with you. I just when we blur the lines between right and wrong, I think that's how we get into trouble and not just in this you know, card collecting space, I think in society as a whole, I just think you begin to blur the lines with some nonsensical arguments, it becomes a slippery slope. And we lose our way, we lose our compass, so to speak. And people are saying that, well, you know, if you remove a fingerprint, you've altered the card. I mean, come on, let's not be ridiculous with those kinds of arguments. There's a a clear difference between removing a fingerprint that maybe you got on the card from from touching the card and trimming or otherwise altering the card. And and I I mean, I don't know. I just, we don't need to complicate this issue. And at the end of the day- You're not allowed to clean a card? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, this is, here's your barometer. Get a a rag and like- Right, wipe it down. Here's your barometer. If, If you're comfortable disclosing it, then it's probably okay. If you're not comfortable disclosing it, then you're probably committing fraud and it's probably not okay. And there's your answer. And again, I don't think we need to overcomplicate this. 
if if you think it's okay fine i don't have a problem with that but then disclose it it's as simple as that and 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 you shouldn't have a problem with disclosing it if you do think it's okay anyway i, I don't want to belabor this too much but i just feel like if you're not disclosing this you know you're doing something wrong and 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 but here's the thing if you do disclose it then look we don't have to debate whether it's right or wrong or whether you know it's good or bad or whatever it is the market will decide so disclose it let the market decide the market will determine how it feels about those kinds of cards and we don't need to debate about it anymore let's let the market determine it but the market can't determine that if it's not disclosed so again disclosure is the key to all this and for those that want to say oh it's okay and all that great let's let the market decide disclose what you're doing be honest about it disclose it tell people Let's have transparency, and then let's see what the market does and reacts to it. But I look here's the, you know, Jason, Evan, Maths, all these guys that have you know been affiliated with us now and come on podcasts and stuff. They've all sort of accused, said that oh it's happening and it's, it's rampant and all this stuff. But then they also say oh well I've never seen anyone do it. Like they don't want to admit to it, but they want to say that it's happening all over the place. So it's just it's silly. It's it's silly. And anyway, I think. We just need to, like I said, kind of end the debate at disclosure. Let the market determine what it thinks about that. All right, let's move on. All right, uh, the 1989 Upper Duck Ken Griffey Jr. card hit a milestone as it surpassed 100,000 on the pop report at PSA. More than 100,000 of those cards have been submitted to PSA for grading. Um, most of any graded card by PSA. It's been graded over 12,000 times at SGC about 1,000 times at CSG, and nearly 40,000 times at BGS. And also, maybe somewhat surprisingly, Griffey Jr. has three of the top five cards graded all-time at PSA, the 89 Tops Traded and the 89 Fleer to go along with the this one. From Upper Deck, yep. Kind of interesting. Out of all the cards, you would think there would be some other players, but that one has been one of the most iconic in the space. Weird, all the talk we gave to Victor, Victor Wembanyama in the NBA lottery, he it was interesting, he posted on social media one of the cards that he signed in the upcoming Bowman University basketball product. And it, he, it was the number one out of 99. It was a card that was serial numbered to 99. It's a green refractor out of that product. And this was the number one out of 99. And he signed it with the inscription. Well, first of all, he autographed it. And then he put an inscription on it and said, first card I ever signed. So now you know that card is going to be a hot chase, a hot chase in the product, and and it'll be considered a one of one, even though it's technically serial numbered to ninety nine. Uh, Michael Rubin, the CEO of Fanatics, also posted a picture of him with with Wim and Yana standing next to each other holding the card, and it was kind of funny to see, you know, Michael Rubin standing next to Wim and Yana. It was like, yep. what, you know, if you didn't know Wim and Yana was seven seven or whatever he is, you would have thought Michael Rubin was like. Three, three and a half feet tall. Yeah. It is crazy. But. All right. And then Collectible received a bio offer for their 1909 E95 Philadelphia Carmel complete set with an average SGC grade of 30.62. The offer was for $20,000, which is just slightly higher, about 1% higher than the price. Uh, the set was trading at on the platform prior to the offer. They originally sent an email saying that the offer was for 65000 then sent a corrected email saying the offer was for 20000 that was last Saturday. Still no word on whether that offer was accepted or rejected by shareholders. Yep, and full disclosure, I do own shares in that one, and so I got both of those emails, and it was kind of interesting because when I got the first one, I was like, oh, yeah, I would, I'll accept that, you know, and then you get the second one, you're like, oh, wait, wait a second. So I actually rejected that one. It's going to, and like I said, haven't heard yet as to where that whether that's going to be. I'm, I, I'm worried it's probably going to get accepted because I think people are just looking for liquidity in these things, but if someone buys it at that price, that's going to be a steal, in my opinion. I think they are going to pick that up for 
a good price. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's talk some card releases. Uh, Tops has got, this is an interesting one, but for some different reasons. Tops has got their 2023 Bowman Sapphire baseball product coming out this week. But the news here is not so much about the product, in my opinion. It's that they are offering this in Dutch auction format. This is new, and this is different from Tops. You, our listeners know, and, and remember, we talk about all the time how Panini's been doing this for a long time, but Tops has not. And so I think this likely signifies Fanatics now involvement. Obviously, Fanatics owns Tops, and they're getting more and more involved now. And so here we go. Here's a new way of them selling this product. It, it is The other thing interesting about it is I didn't think Josh Luber liked these Dutch auction formats. He talked bad about them a year ago because when they came out with Zero Cool, they did, uh, what's it called, reverse Dutch auction or whatever. They had a different Dutch auction format that they did with their releases. And he talked about how that was better than the Dutch auction formats that Panini was doing. And now here they are doing them with tops. So I thought that was kind of interesting. The other thing about this is the price, they said, is going to start at $850 a box. It'll drop $25 every five minutes until the product sells out or until it hits a floor price price of $350. So we'll see. I think it's probably going to sell out fast because it includes the highly sought after Drew Jones on card auto. But again, I think this release is important because of Fanatic's involvement. And when you look at that for, you know, not only for the Dutch auction format, but for the pricing, and this is what bothers me with this. Tops products have generally always been some of the lesser expensive products. They certainly, generally speaking, they have some higher end, more expensive products, but generally speaking, you know, Tops on a sort of apples to apples to Panini, um, has been less expensive than Panini. This price, $850 starting price, and even the $350 floor is a huge increase from previous years. To put this in perspective, and again, they didn't do Dutch auction in previous years, but this product last year sold for $200 a box. And the year before that, it was $150 a box. The configuration, exactly the same. 32 cards in those previous two years, you get 32 cards in this one. One auto was guaranteed, one auto guaranteed in this one. So basically, configuration is the same. The price is now just going from 200, 150 to 200 to now 850. And I realize that's a starting price, but again, it's not going. It's going to go at a bare minimum for 350. So, and most likely, I think it ends up somewhere in the five or six hundred dollar range. Would be my guess, if not higher. So, looking at a potentially four, three to four fold increase in the price of this product over last year. So, I don't know. I'm not wild about what we're seeing with this. You know, huge increases from Fanatics, and I'm, I'm not going to say from Tops. I'm going to say from Fanatics because I think that's what's going on. And it, you know, it's not surprising. We talked what probably a year ago, maybe. On when we when Fanatics was coming into the space, maybe more than a year ago now, and talked about this was one of the concerns we had because when you look at a lot of Fanatics, what they've done, you know, prior to getting the sports card licenses, a lot of their stuff was really expensive. It was they had it very high priced, and I don't know. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I I was hoping that we wouldn't see something like this. Hopefully, this isn't a trend for what we're going to see more of in the future. But I kind of have a feeling it is going to be. And I guess they'll probably test it out with this product to see how it does. But anyway, so I think to me, that's the big news with that particular product release. All right, moving on, we got card ladder record sales. Um, 2018 Bowman Chrome rookie uh, autograph Shohei Otani PSA 10 sold for $11,000 on eBay. Yeah, Shohei Otani rookie, our autograph cards continue to set records and do well. Uh, uh, we had a 53 tops Mickey Mantle and an SGC 7 that sold for 27600 via PWCC, and that was a record. 
Then a 1957 Topps Bill Russell PSA 8.5 sold for $660,000 on PWCC. That was a big one. That's his rookie yes. card, and that was a record sale. So his stuff continues to do well. There was a, speaking of the NBA playoffs, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, his 2015 Panini Immaculate RPA, rookie patch auto, serial number to 99. This was not National Treasures. This was the Immaculate product. Still a nice product, maybe a step down from National Treasures, but a nice one. This was a PSA 8, and it sold for $5,000 via ebay and then heritage auctions also had several records including a 52 tops mickey mantle sgc seven and a half which sold for three hundred and eighty four thousand dollars. yeah i think that might have been the one on the collectible platform and i think i, I may be wrong about that but i think it was because the collectible put some of their uh some of their offerings onto the into this heritage auction uh they also there was a 57 tops mickey mantle psa 8 that sold for a record twenty one thousand six hundred dollars 1914 Cracker Jack, uh, Onus Wagner, PSA 1.5, which sold for $15,000. Yeah, a couple of Cracker Jacks. There was the 1915 Cracker Jack, Shoeless Joe Jackson, in a PSA 2 that sold for $63,000. A 1935 National This one, yeah, National Chickle, yep. Chickle Bronco Nagurski. Yeah, PSA that's six. an iconic card in, in for football. Uh, and that sold for $93,000. Yeah, absolutely. That's an iconic card. And then this one, it's a favorite of mine. I'd love to get one of these, but I don't know. It's going to probably be a while because they're expensive now. I should have bought one of these a couple years ago when they weren't going for these kinds of prices. Uh, but it's a 1940 Superman, and this was the number one card in the set, which is of Superman. It was a PSA 4, and it sold for $17,400. All right, uh, well, that's it for the Halftime Report, so let's go ahead and move on to film study. All right, let's touch on, we'll do some baseball, hockey playoffs, and basketball playoffs. Spend probably most of our time in basketball. Just a couple of quick notes in baseball. A lot of injuries are piling up to key players for several teams. Dustin May, especially on the pitching side, Dustin May for the Dodgers, Max Fried for the Braves, Nick Lodolo for the Reds, Luis Garcia with Houston. They're all out for uh, fairly long periods of time now. Also on the hitting, batting side, or the fielding side, whatever you want to say, hitters, Jazz Chisholm in Miami out. Brandon Woodruff, pitcher in Milwaukee. Of course, we knew about O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh. Robbie Ray in Seattle as well, who's a pitcher. Now Manny Machado for the Padres might be out for a while with a fracture in his hand. However, all these injuries could pave the way for some call-ups. So uh, for those that do some prospecting, maybe there's some opportunity here. We'll see. There was, did you see this? A lot of controversy over Aaron Judge glancing to his right into the Yankees dugout during the game, a couple of games, I guess, but one in particular with Toronto. The, there was video circulating showing Judge who glanced to his right just before a pitch, the pitcher pitched, and then looked back, the pitcher threw the pitch, and he blasted a 462-foot home run. He hit two home runs that game. And after the game, Judge, and there were a lot of people speculating on what was happening. Judge, after the game, said he was looking to see who was chirping from the dugout. He said there was just a lot of chirping from our dugout. And so, you know, I was just looking over there. I was like, yeah, I, I think chirping from the dugout probably telling him what pitch was coming. <laughs> but we'll see. Again, they were playing Toronto. Jay Jackson was the pitcher in the game, and he said after the game that he may have been tipping pitches. He got sent down, by the way, after this game. But he said he might have been pitching, t uh, tipping pitches and said he was raising his hands above his head before each pitch, and that that could have allowed the first base coach of the Yankees to see his grip and then relay that maybe to the to the Yankees coach in the dugout. The Toronto's coach was arguing about how the Yankees coaches were sort of outside of the 
you know, the, the lines or the box that the coaches are allowed to be in on the field and whatnot. And of course that happens all the time, but, but it created a whole big stir. I will say, I'm going to say, Hey, listen, man, if you're, if you're putting your grip out there for everybody to see, I honestly, I, I cannot, I I cannot blame the, I cannot blame them for stealing that pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have, you can, you can put, hide that thing in your mitt all day long. And nobody can see it. If you're as, if you're raising as, that thing above your head where everybody can as long see as you, it, no, I agree like, with you. As long as you're not using that's devices, yeah. then, then I agree with you. Look, like, if, is, if, as if, long if as baseball's s- been in play, yeah. you know, hitters try to figure out exactly what, what tendencies pitchers may have when they pitch a throw a curveball versus a fastball versus a slider or whatever. You try to figure out if they do anything different, so you can try to see if you know figure out when it's coming. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, like I mean, if you're literally but, seriously, if you're gonna show the world your grip like that. I, you, I cannot fault the Yankees for yeah. <laughs> if that if that is the case, I cannot fault them for for doing that. Yeah. If, the, if that's what well, they were doing. It was only like the second game this year that Judge has hit two home runs in a game, and kind of interesting that so during that at bat he did it twice back to back. He did it and and then the pitch was a, a looked like probably a slider outside, so it was a ball. He took it, didn't swing. Second pitch he did it again. Which makes you think like that. Kind of, I don't really buy the whole chirping in the dugout thing when you did it at a second time Maybe. on the next pitch. Well, they continued chirping. You know, you keep doing it. Anyway, he did it again, and then the second time he did it, he blasted that home run. So I don't know. It's kind of funny. We'll see what happens if anything comes of that. I did. That got me thinking about you know how's Aaron Judge cards has been have his cards been doing, and so I looked at his card ladder index. It's actually been flat over the last several months, which is not bad considering the run up that he had last year. You know when he set the the home run records, and uh, his I looked at his 2013 Bowman Chrome draft picks and prospects in a PSA 10. It has come down from last fall, but it's still up from a year ago. So the last sale was $312 for that card. That's up from about $200 a year ago. So still up about a little more than 50% from a year ago. But it was down from the peak last fall when he was making those records. It had hit over or right at about $1,000. So down what is that? Probably almost 70% from that peak, but up more than 50%. From where it was a year ago so anyway kind of interesting but i thought that was funny all right let's touch on the playoffs in in hockey real quick you've got now um vegas and dallas the number one and four seeds respectively are matching up in the western conference finals and then carolina and florida the two and eight seeds respectively are matching up in the eastern conference finals it's I mean, so interesting that that the, the two florida teams are eight seeds and in the conf- in the eastern conference finals and well NHL not florida and the nba not oh okay and i see yeah 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 yeah, yeah. isn't that interesting yeah. The, yeah you got you got eight seeds in the conference finals both from florida and those two sports that's yep. interesting and again and even against a second seed which is interesting yeah yeah that is interesting so what do you got? Is the other one Vegas and Dallas? Uh, no, because Denver we did have the number one. Was uh, who? Well, Los Angeles is seven, but yeah, those are not. There's there's before. no similar city there. No. But I just think I mean you don't see eight seeds in the conference finals every day. I just think it's interesting that they're both Florida teams. Well, here's what I think is interesting. These are all Southern United States teams. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean these are not traditional hockey markets. Right? Yeah, Vegas. Where it's 102 degrees all the time, Dallas, um, and and then same thing, Florida, Carolina. I mean, these are not your traditional hockey markets. Southern states are dominating hockey. Who would have thought? You know, 10, 20 years ago, who would have thought? 
uh, Jerry, who we've had on our podcast a couple of times, would be would be thrilled about this. Yeah, he that's interesting. Get some of these franchises off the ground. So, and and like we talked about last time, no real superstars on these teams. Just, I mean, not you know, again, lo- you know, great players, but no real just you know superstars that stand out. Um, just good teams that play well together. And so that, and I will say, look, that's great for those teams. It's great for hockey. I'm not sure it's so great for card collectors because collectors do tend to put more hype on some of the superstars like Austin Matthews in Tampa or, or not Tampa, in, with Toronto and, uh, or someone like Connor McDavid in Edmonton. So we'll see whether those guys will end up winning a cup. Neither of them had, which then speaks to, you know, Connor Bedard coming in. I mean, look, mm-hmm. it's hard, right, to win a Stanley Cup. So you've got some really star players that have never won one so far. So, And, you know, I did see Connor McDavid's. I was looking at some of their the cards on these players. So Connor McDavid, his 2015 Young Guns, PSA 10, dropped nearly 20% in the past two weeks. Last sale was $2,975. That's down from north of 3500 a couple of weeks ago. So maybe some people throwing in the towel there. We'll see. Still expensive card. But uh, Dreisaitl, however, his partner, just the opposite. Even though they got bounced, Dreisaitl had an excellent playoff, and and his young guns is up over 45% in the past two weeks, with his last sale being at $1,254. That's up from a range of about $800 on the low end to $1,000 on the high end in the in the couple of weeks prior. And then Austin Matthews, his young guns dropped about 15%. To, I saw the last sale at $795 from maybe $940 a couple of weeks ago, but that card was over $1,000 prior to that, so his stuff's coming down as well. So anyway, so if you're a fan of, you know, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, some of these stars, you know, could be patient, but could be some opportunities presented in some of their cards during the off season as people kind of throw in the towel a little bit on, on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the NBA. Well, I have one more thing. I have one sure. more interesting bit about Matthew Kachuk, which I learned um, on. Oh, this ought to be interesting. I've not heard of this on pregame for for uh, for Boston and Miami yesterday. So there's these YouTube videos um, online of Jason Tatum um, from when he was like in high school. There's one where he's showing you how to tie tie, which is hilarious. They've got like millions of views because they're like high school Jason Tatum. They're super innocent. They're just like funny and they're still on YouTube for some reason. And then the second one is like, I don't know, some school project or something he did where he was just like, he's like going around his high school and he was like, I don't know, like this is why I like chose Chaminade. And these are like three things I like about Chaminade and all these things. That's his high school. And like some of his friends were in the background of some of it. And something, it's really interesting because I saw these videos like forever ago because they're hilarious. And they brought it up on the pregame. They showed the video. You know who Matthew Kachuk went to high school with? Tatum. Tatum. Nice. He's in. He's in one of these videos. Nice. Because <laughs> they were friends. Apparently. There you go. Because there's like there's one of the one of the um, clips in the project one. He was like one of the reasons that I want that I go to Chaminade. Well, I like Chaminade is because of my friends. And he's like he like named off like four friends that were in the background like messing around. One of them is Matthew Kachuk. Nice. Which is interesting. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious that they brought that up because I'd seen those videos forever ago. And I had no idea, so it's just funny. And they, like, played it. That was not what I was expecting to see. So that was just an interesting bit I thought I would throw in there. That's funny. Um, yeah, well, and for those, Matthew Kachuk, if you don't know, is a star for uh, the Florida Panthers. And actually, he, he is one of, what, just two players left in the playoffs. Or no, not – where is it? Yeah, one of two players left because Dallas 
is Jason Robertson that had over 100 points in the regular season. I just thought I just thought that was hilarious because they were like, they were like, oh, like who 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 did you know guess who Matthew Kachuk went to high school with or something and they played a video and they started playing that video and I was like are you serious yeah. I was like that's not at all what I expected to see right now nice so that was funny um well, yeah Ka- Carolina that, that's interesting that they went to high school together that is interesting in that video which is yeah, funny that is funny that's cool uh all right our listeners I'm gonna have to check that out I haven't seen that yet <laughs> Carolina and and Florida's facing off right now as we're playing I'm looking at the score it looks like the Hurricanes are up one to nothing so we'll see what happens there I I think I actually do think Carolina uh is I Florida's been playing well but I think Carolina is just too strong I think um, and, and I think the Vegas Dallas is a toss-up to be honest with you but I I, I would pick I'm gonna pick Carolina to win it all this year interesting now now that we're you know into the yeah, final so i probably just yeah. jinxed them well but, we'll see and then let's talk nba playoffs obviously the the heat took game one from the celtics nuggets took game one from the lakers the lakers and nuggets are playing game two right now as we speak i'm looking it's uh, about four minutes left in the first the lakers are up 21 to 20 so we'll see how that turns out i do think the lakers learned some things in the second half of that game against the nuggets that might help especially on how to defend jokic uh, the joker as the series goes on so that may make it interesting but i don't know i also just think the nuggets have i don't know if they i there's part of me that just feels like they just have too much firepower i just hope this goes seven i feel like it's going to be a great series yeah but even before we get to that we kind of i mean we could talk about because we didn't we recorded last year before game seven of uh boston and philadelphia and Tatum had that 51 point performance. He did, yeah. And which Philadelphia, is what, just the second 50 point per, right after Curry had did. Right it. after Curry broke the record, Tatum broke it by one. Yeah. Which is interesting that these both happened in the same playoffs. But Philadelphia fell apart. Uh, Doc Rivers did, in fact, get fired. Um, so that makes the third major coach from him, like a, a major team. Yeah. Uh, you had to see that coming though. Playoffs. After that third quarter, mm-hmm. what happened in that third quarter? That it, was, it, that it, was it, sort of. Unfortunately, that's, that's what happens. He's been there for three seasons. They had a good team this year. That's just kind of what happens uh, in in sports in the NBA. Yeah, kind of unbelievable. But I mean, I picked Boston, but not in that fashion. But you can't go. Well, I exactly. I don't don't understand what happened with the seventy sixes. You can't like what was it like a twenty five to three run? I mean, it was a it was a basically a one or two point game in early in the third, and then mm-hmm. just what five or ten minutes later, all of a sudden, it's well, a blowout. And I, I and I, I've you've seen this happen with Philadelphia. I feel like they and they brought in players in the off season in PJ Tucker and Daniel House to specifically address this issue um, of I think they have kind of a problem with mental toughness and kind of keeping their composure and poise in these situations. And like once that lead got to like twelve, fifteen, you really have to keep your poise. To not let that lead get out of control, yeah, um, and they they couldn't do it, and they did that. That lead got out of control, and the whole house is on fire. When the whole house is on fire, there's nothing you can do. Yep. I mean, it's like, uh, well, and, it, and Tatum, it, Tatum had it going, and the thing is, they kept, they just couldn't make a shot, and they had a lot of open looks. I felt like they did have, yeah, that is the one thing. They had some open looks, and they just could not but hit shots. In my opinion, all their open looks were threes, they and were. I, I That's needed true. and. And from what it looked like, the only guy who really had it going was James Harden. You really needed him to be aggressive, and he just wasn't being aggressive. He was passing at every opportunity he got, which is kind of what he does there. But I, I, just, I don't know. I just feel like in this situation, that's where you really have to sense the moment and be like, okay, 
I need to take over now. Well, and that's like, also where coaching comes in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to call timeout. You need to get your, your team in a set, go to a, you know, kind of your, I mean, all coaches and teams should have those plays for those kind of situations. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we need a basket. We need to like slow this down, stop. And the like, just go go here, inside get, and get, get twos. That's like, right. I, I understand. Embiid, I understand it's Boston, league, right? I mean, I, yeah, and like, I understand it's Boston, but like, they they kept missing threes and they kept taking threes. Right. And like, if one of those went, it would have stopped the bleeding. Sure, it would have been a huge shot. But at a point when it's getting out of control, you just need something easy to stop the bleeding, so you can kind of regain your composure get the crowd silent for at least a second yep. so you can kind of catch your breath and be like, all right, and, you know, inch your way back into it. So yeah. it's just kind of interesting. I just feel like that was another situation where they just kind of lost their poise and composure. One of the worries that you would have uh, if you were a Philadelphia fan that that could happen, and unfortunately it did. That's just, that, that, the, the, the fashion that it happened is kind of unbelievable to me, but... I agree, you know, and, and that's why Doc is. Rivers got fired. But that, and that's also though why I thought maybe Philly would be for your team, Miami Heat, a, a better chance. But yeah, you know, so Boston gets less. through. They play game one, and you know Heat, man, and Dale Plum, who's been a, my buddy, he's been a, uh, come on our show several times. He texted me. He was like, ah, "Big game. Brandon's got to be happy." I was like, "Oh yeah, he is." Man, I mean, the Heat are really looking good. And, and, you know, look, it's only game one, and there's a lot that can happen here, especially, you know, with mm-hmm. Boston, it's all about their shooting. I mean, if Boston gets hot, they're going to be tough to stop. Miami, though, playing well right now, so we'll see, I mean, how this goes. I, you know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think most people are obviously picking Boston, and for good reason. Um, they oh, have, I would not they have, have picked Miami even to get to this spot, yeah, you know, as the playoffs started. Like, now, they, they clearly know. have more talent, but – the thing about Boston is they've been so inconsistent and like up and down. Like they've been really good and other times they've been really just kind of lackadaisical, kind of going through the motions type thing. And that's what happened in game one. They had all the control in the first half. Miami came out in the second half, fixed their issues, turned it up, had a huge third quarter. I was scoring them by 21 in the third quarter and that was a story of the game. They yeah. lost every other quarter, but that third quarter was enough. Well. Um, and here's the thing I would say, and I think Denver's the same way. In my opinion, the two most consistent teams right now are Denver and Miami. They are. And, and that's the thing about Miami is that for people that are, yeah, and, and that's my thing, for people that are thinking it's going to be easy for, or that it's like they have no chance, like they're so consistent. They play the same way every single game. You know what you're going to get from them. I don't know what I'm going to get from Boston. Right. And the more I watch them, uh, uh, Charles Barkley, has begun to say this as well. I feel like they kind of only go as far as Tatum goes. Yeah. Like Jalen Brown can have big games, but they don't always win those games. The, the, for some reason, the guys on Boston, whenever Tatum is going, they follow Tatum and everybody else kind of gets it going. That's something I've kind of noticed and other people have kind of picked up on as well. It's kind of one issue and maybe part of the reason why they're so up and down. It's a good point. Um, and then again, Miami's, we talked about this last time, everybody's in the rhythm everybody's looking for their shot everybody's got a similar amount of shot attempts um and they've got a great coach so i mean it's could you imagine if miami Miami had tyler hero i would Mm. you know healthy i would pick miami that'd be interesting man for sure i still think i might pick Miami. i mean it's incredible what they're doing without hero i mean i kind of want miami to win um look i think they've got a good shot for getting game one is kind of that's 
that's a that's a really big advantage yep. in my opinion Absolutely. especially on the road they've gotten every game one so far i feel like you have to kind of get game one when you're miami in this situation and you got to win on the road which um, now they've got that under their belt too so no absolutely now boston will bounce back for sure and the thing about this series that miami really has to play very close to perfect basketball to win boston has a little bit more leeway miami like we can't we can't lose the turnover battle we have a really tight rebounding like uh, whatever you want to say, margin with Robert Williams because he was killing us with offensive rebounds in the first half where we play small against Boston. I think we match up pretty okay, but there's a lot of things that we really have to get right or else we're going to lose if Boston plays well. Well, and I, I still think, though, it with Boston, I think it comes down to shooting. It does. If, and, and that's where I think if Miami can play good defense and, and you know keep Boston from having that 60-70% shooting game, or getting hot and and stringing that out. I was trying to look at the box score to see what. Well, they were see the doing interesting thing so, about yeah, game see, one were, is they actually only took like a little bit under thirty threes. They did, which they is were, not Boston normal was for them. Ten for twenty nine. They had like point line. sixty points in the paint, and they lost. So I think, but that's because of what Miami was doing. They were running them off the three point line. They were playing that yep. three point line really hard because they didn't want to get beat by that. Yeah. And then Boston in the first half was getting a lot of really easy straight line drives to the rim. And that was kind of tearing us apart. And in the second half, they made the adjustment. They were still able to guard that three-point line, but they were able to cut off those straight-line drives. They cut down the points in the paint by, like, half. And that was enough to get, when they gave them, they cleaned up the turnovers. Yeah. And that was enough to get it. So, I mean, it, well, interesting to see what Boston will do to adjust. But I honestly feel like this series isn't really about X's and O's. It's more about competitiveness, effort, energy. Because that's more of what I see in this series, especially in game one. I feel like... The outcome of game one had really little to do with the actual game strategy. There was some things, there were adjustments made, but I feel like the broader theme of that game, and I think of the series, is going to be more of who can be tougher, more competitive, play with more effort, more consistently. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to come down to, yeah. to be honest. I mean, the adjustments, and I think you know, Coach Spo is going to have to put on like a, a, really, a really good coaching performance, but... At the same time, I feel like those are the kind well, of main one things of, that it's going to come down to. Because this is this is going to be a dog fight, too, right? Know? I mean, Miami has the coaching advantage, I think, mm-hmm. in this one. And yeah, again, I just look at I, it is interesting. They they really their their offense in the third quarter was interesting. They mixed it up so much. We saw they ran a, like a floppy action, which you don't see like at all anymore. Um, which I thought was interesting. They were yep. mixing it up a whole bunch in the third quarter, trying to throw Boston off. Yeah, they outscored them. 46 to 25 in that third quarter and like you said and then he, jimmy had a fantastic game so you need yeah, that too yeah yeah but exactly yeah. margins are really small so this will be an interesting series but tatum you know tatum did have 30 points he did so but it was kind of a weird 30 points he had a terrible fourth quarter well and he was only one he got he was 11 from 11 from the line he only got one three-point shot to mm-hmm. me that's the key right there like you know said they, they were 10 from 29 for threes and but part of that was because of how Miami was playing him too. Well, that's my point. He got a ton that's, of layups. Yeah, he got a ton of layups. Um, but you will see. It's it's gonna be a tight series. We'll see. I think that's a good strategy mm-hmm. from Miami. So we'll see. I mean, obviously adjustments will be made. And then uh, let's go get an update here. So the yeah the Lakers Nuggets tied at twenty seven right now at the end of the first. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun one. Well, at least the Hollywood Lakers didn't show up today. 
Yeah. They kind of did in the first half of the other night. <laughs> they did in the first half, but that's why I said they made some adjustments in the second but half. But yeah, and they came they back with the, well, literally the, ad- the adjustment is like not even that like complicated. They've been doing it already in other series that, if, of taking AD off of Joker and yeah. having him in the help position because that's where he thrives. Yeah. I mean, that's not like. I, I kind of, I mean, I expected them to do that at some point, honestly, probably, yeah. because that's what they, it's, Boston does that with Robert Williams, and they, they've they switched to this bigger lineup. They brought Al Horford and Robert Williams in this lineup, and they have Robert Williams just kind of lurking off of the corner, man. Same thing uh, with LA, with, with AD. Now, Denver's going to make the adjustment to get Aaron Gordon going, or put AD in the pick and roll, because I think that's actually really interesting, because they run five four pick and rolls with Jokic and Gordon which is like weird but yeah. Jokic can do it because yeah. he's Jokic so it'll be interesting um I, I don't know I feel like it, I hope it goes seven it's gonna be a good series LeBron AD and Jokic I think these are two fantastic teams I don't know man I seriously this one I have no idea who to pick I well look I'm I mean I kind of want I don't know who I want necessarily here but I I actually think that I think the, I think either team can win. I think the Nuggets are going to just because I think they're going to be more consistent. And I think over the course of a seven-game series, especially if it goes, you know, I don't know. I, I We'll see. Maybe not if it goes seven because maybe the Lakers have more of a chance if it gets to like a final game seven or something. But I have a feeling the Nuggets are going to close this out in either five or six. That would be my guess. I don't know if it'll be five or six. It depends on – this game tonight. Yeah, I think. that's true. This is an if this is one. tied at one one, this is probably yeah. going to be a long series. Agreed. Yeah. Because um, if the Lakers can actually get a win on the road, the Nuggets have not, I think, lost at home yet this playoffs. That's kind of a big deal. It would be a big um, deal. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm hard pressed. I don't like to bet against LeBron James. That's my thing. Well, and these are two great teams. So agreed. I don't well, know. and the other thing too here is knock on wood with this because staying healthy for all these teams all these mm-hmm. teams have to stay healthy and and an injury to any and, and several of their key players have had some injury history obviously and you know on all sides right denver la miami boston so you know and and if they any of these teams sustain an injury to any of those players that's gonna certainly impact and i know for captain sure. obvious here right impact the outcome of the series but if everyone stays healthy, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it's a Denver-Miami I mean, these are the teams that have stayed healthy thus far, to be fair. Right. Um, and I guess besides Miami, but, I mean, everybody's kind of got their bumps and, and bruises anyway. So, yeah. All right. Well, we ran a little, a couple minutes longer than I thought we might, but I'm going to call it unless you got anything else. Are we good? You're good? Yeah. All right, I'm calling it. That is the show for today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and spending some of your time with us. I hope you enjoyed it. And, Brandon, go ahead and take us out. All right, yeah, once again, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in, spending some of your time with us, like we say. Uh, we do want to hear from you, so please message us on social media or email us. That's on our website. If you have questions or ideas or topics for a future show, again, we do love to hear from you, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Also, check us out on social media. Follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yes, and please help us spread the word. Tell a friend about us. Encourage them to listen to the show. Follow us on your favorite podcast outlet. And we would also very much appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating. So that is it. Show number 79 is in the books. Thanks again, everyone, for spending some of your time with us. And we will see you all next week, same time, same place, here on The 615 Collector.